Welcome to the SMY Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Bader. For several weeks now, school board members and district representatives have been out in the community with tables, like at the Buesires Club and at various sporting events, talking to residents about the $2 million non-recurring operational referendum that's on the ballot for April 2nd. We had a big information night at the high school and have two more planned out in the community. Along with mailers and uh, our website, we put a lot of information out into the community. Um, Today's podcast is a version of one of those sessions. I've invited administrators from each area affected by the referendum to tell us about what the additional dollars would be used for. The referendum is called Safe, Supported, and Successful. We'll start with student and staff safety. Then we'll talk about student success and then hear about how we're supporting students and staff. Finally, at the end, I'll take the questions we've gotten at all those information sessions and and submitted through our website and and bring them to Business Services Director Dan Arnold for some answers. One of the signs that they bring to all their tables says, ask us about how we're improving education in South Milwaukee, and that's what we're going to do today. Joining us now is Bill Wesley, the safety risk manager for the school district. Bill, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, so tell me a little bit about uh, your history with the district and, and what you did before this. Uh, so I started with the school district in 2019 in January. Um, and before that, I had a 38-year career at uh, Summerfest. I was a security director for the last six years of that career and uh, worked in that department for 38 years. Okay. Um, what have some of the things you've implemented since you've been here? So one of the things that I'm most uh, proud of that we accomplished here at the South Monkey School District is the standard response protocol, which is a very simplified uh, plan to respond to different types of incidents in a very uniformed and simplistic way. Um, the whole district is speaking the same language. It's a very good plan. It's um, considered the industry standard. Um, and I think that's really done a lot to help us improve our safety here at the school. Hmm. Um, you're also working on a safety plan. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so um, the state requires that we have a safety plan, which we do have, uh, but um, we've had the ability now to really take a deep dive into the safety plan um, and look at a lot of different models that are out there. And the, the new safety plan will be much more comprehensive. It'll basically cover everything we do from uh, preparation for incidents to the incident itself to recovery from them. Um, so I'm very excited about this new comprehensive safety plan for the district. I think it's going to... Um, be a really nice tool for us. Sure. So part of the this uh, April 2nd referendum is um, safety improvements. Can you tell me what some of our plans might be for that money? Yeah. So one of the things I noticed when I first came to the school district is we have a nice camera system, but it needs to be more robust. Um, and we've worked towards that. Um, but uh, if we have the referendum, it'll allow us to more quickly um, get to where we feel comfortable with the camera system, adding numbers of cameras, dealing with some of the infrastructure, old servers, et cetera, to get us up to where we're really comfortable. Hmm. So what are some other big systems that the district's looking to improve on? Well, besides the cameras, I know we're looking at uh, the electronic access system, uh, which would replace keys in most circumstances, um, and would provide each employee with a key fob, not only to get into the building, which we already do right now, um, but it would also handle some key doors, like classrooms, et cetera, inside of the school district. The advantage of having this type of system is with a press of a button, the entire district can be locked down, um, which, once again, is just all towards making the school district safer. 
Um, and then one of the main complaints uh, that I hear is traffic during drop-off and pickup on 15th Avenue. You have some ideas around that that this referendum might help with. Yeah, so last year we were able to play around with the traffic um, during summer school, and we tried some new initiatives by adding some staffing and working closely with the South Milwaukee Police Department. And uh, we had a really nice plan. It was very well received, um, and uh, we're hoping to build off of that and maybe utilize some of those strategies for the regular school year. Okay. Well, Bill, thank you for your time today, and thanks for being on the podcast. No problem. Our next guests are Brian Gannon, our technology coordinator. Hello. Christy Gajewski, Director of Curriculum and Instruction. Hello. And Carrie Stolenwerk, Director of People Services. Hello. Thanks for being here. Um, this part, uh, I'd like to talk about um, the successful part of our safe, supported, and successful referendum. Tell us what we mean when we say um, successful, and, and feel free to move that mic around if you need to to, to have it pick you up. There are a couple of things I think that we are planning around um, in order to make sure that we create a pr uh, programming for students so that they are successful. And successful means, you know, post K-12 education, what are you gonna go on to do? Jobs, right into the military, right into college or technical college. So we're trying to find, um, make, to make sure that all of our pathways for, and opportunities for kids are aligned to that. So, um, for example, one of the parts that this would support is, and it's also supported in our strategic plan, um, that would be coming forward is this idea of a K-12 articulated pathway. And that articulated pathway, what that means is we want to set up experiences for students as they move through the system so that they're getting um, a wide variety of opportunities to learn about different things that they could possibly do um, when they reach adulthood. So one of our first uh, pathways may be around the idea of computer science. Now at, at the high school we have plenty of opportunities for kids um, and it's really exciting, but it didn't seem like our families really knew much about that and that they didn't find out about it until they got to college. So, or got to, excuse me, to high school. So we wanna make sure that we the kids at a younger age understand what they're gonna be able to you know, dive into with their interests. And so with computer science, we've already started dabbling in that at the elementary level, but it happens in library. Mm -hmm. So it's one of the opportunities that kids can have during library lessons is to utilizing a coding program. Um, and what we really wanna do is knowing that kids really do need those, you know, kids and adults really need those skills. There's a market for that for kids beyond high school that we wanna make sure that that's embedded in what they do and that they get experience really understanding what that coding is because once they get to high school or to get to the middle school we have a stem class where they do a lot of coding and they learn how to build and add more skills to that and then at the high school level there's many different opportunities um, both in the tech ed and in the business world to learn more about computer science and how all of those pieces work together so we want to make sure that those experiences are aligned and so that kids find their pathway mm. um and Carrie Stolen worked a big part of supporting those students is making sure they see the same faces year after year uh, and that we have some of the best, right? Oh, that is absolutely true. So um, one of the things that we're committed to is ensuring that we are attracting and retaining the best qualified staff and that they're wanting to stay um, and build a history with our community. Um, one of the ways we do that is by addressing teacher salary. You know, we have to be competitive and make sure that this is a place that people want to work. Yeah, I think if, if listeners of this podcast will remember, we did a whole segment on um, the teacher shortage and how we've had to be 
faster at recruitment fairs, um, interviews right away and offering. Um, this would allow some flexibility in that and be able to do um, do that recruitment. Yeah, absolutely. We've got to be competitive with other districts so that, you know, we can make sure that we have the very best people that we ha- can and that they want to be here with our kids so that we establish really strong communities within our schools. Mm-hmm. And and kind of what Christy was saying, and then also with that the retention part, um, having a strategic plan, having a plan, holding ourselves accountable uh, is something that right now is going to be new to the district um, in that kind of format. Can you tell me about the strategic plan? Yeah, so our draft strategic plan um, has been developed over the past several months. Um, It's a collaborative effort between um, parents, teachers, school staff, um, community members, businesses. um, And what it's intended to do is create um, a path for growth for the entire school district with very clear accountability measures um, so that we are publicly accountable and accountable to ourselves for the work that we are um, lucky enough to get to provide on behalf of kids. So that uh, strategic plan has markers that you would be able to see for each year. um, And the school district will use those to kind of gauge our success with making progress towards that five-year marker of the strategic plan. Hmm. So like the, uh, those ex- career exploration pathways that's that's in there right that's embedded in yeah that so those idea. articulated yeah. pathways are part of the strategic plan um you're going to see under that idea of um, supported schools that we're really looking at making sure that we're providing lots of cl- career exploration and opportunity we're providing um, the additional support to make sure that our kids feel safe in school and that they have um, the resources and strategies that they need to be successful as learners and as whole people. Brian Gannon, um, as technology coordinator, how, um, with this referendum and the dollars that might become available in April, uh, after the April 2nd vote, what, um, how are we going to support what we just heard? Uh, well, when we look at some of the uh, computer science pathways and what that looks like at the elementary level. Um, it goes beyond just a coding program. Um, we want to give kids the opportunity to to use some of the tools that you may have actually seen at Steam Night. Um, some things like Sphero or Ozobots where it's, a, it's an actual physical device that students can program. Um, they can program them to complete a task um, and it really gets kids um, to understand how computers work in a more fun way um, that's more applicable for uh, elementary students. Um, so there would be the purchase of uh, those types of devices. Um, in the classrooms, we're looking at uh, the replacement of some of the materials that, or the, the objects that we currently have in classrooms. Um, uh, for instance, smart boards um, were something that started um, in the district about uh, 20 years ago, um, the first smart board started showing up, and now those are transitioning into um, uh, LCD panels um, that are much brighter and um, more user-friendly for the classrooms. So um, we would use this, uh, some of this funding to purchase those panels for the classrooms so that every classroom looks the same. Um, we have, uh, as students are advancing through elementary and into middle school, high school, they're seeing those same screens and they know how to interact with them um, and have that same experience um, throughout their education. Sure. Um, and then, um, Christy, why do we choose? Uh, you've said this a little bit, but I'd like to maybe articulate it a little more. Why these fields? Like, why 
for this instance, computer science, um, are there opportunities in the community right now to, to go into computer science here? Um, absolutely. I mean, I think it's one of those technology is one of those growing areas and fields. Like I know that with our um, at the high school level, a lot of what helps determine what pathways we can offer um, and have certified pathways and that we offer at the high school does really depend on the job market as well. And so we know that technology is here to stay and that it is an area that's growing and developing all the time. And so um, and we've also found, you know, through our STEAM night events, the kids are really engaged in those kinds of things. And we want to make sure that we're pulling that engagement into our classrooms as often as possible so that they have experiences that they can attach to and really, really grow um, in their reading skills and math skills and all that stuff, because those types of opportunities actually help the kids um, solidify and transfer what they're learning in other areas. Well, guys, thank you. That sounds that's really interesting and exciting. And um, thanks for sharing today. Next up is Daniel Arnold, Director of Business Services. Dan, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Dan. Um, so while we've just heard kind of what um, we hope to do with the money, um, referendum are legalistic, there's, um, they're financial, and uh, I was hoping I could ask you a couple questions about what that means. Yeah, for sure. Glad to be here. Thanks. Tell us, what, uh, tell us actually what the phrase is. What are we asking for? Yeah, so technically we are asking the community for a five-year non-recurring operational referendum for $2 million per year. Okay. Take that apart for me because there's a lot of jargon in that sentence. Yeah. So to start from the top, so essentially the, the thing to note is that there are two types of referendum. There is capital referendum and operational referendum. So capital referendum are for buildings and for debt. And then an operational referendum is for recurring costs within a district. So this is an operational referendum. And then within an operational referendum, there is recurring and non-recurring. So a non-recurring referendum is just that. After a certain amount of time, it stops. The district does not receive those funds anymore, or rather no increase anymore. A recurring referendum is forever. It, that dollar amount gets built into the per pupil amount that the district receives within the revenue limit and essentially stays with the district forever. Uh, the, the referendum that we are pursuing is a non-recurring five-year referendum. So after five years, it would stop. Got it. Um, and what um, what is a, the impact, uh, the tax impact for that? So a taxpayer, would, a owner of a $200,000 home this year would, would see a $0.04 increase to the mill rate. Well, I guess let's just say anybody would see a $0.04 increase uh, to the mill rate next year. Uh, so that, that $200,000 home homeowner um, would see an $8 increase on next year's tax bill. Okay. And what happens if uh, voters say no? Yeah, so the important thing to note is there is energy efficiency debt that is being levied for this year that will not be levied for next year. So that mill rate would go to $6.86 next year. Got it. Um, and... Uh, so I guess people could do the math on their house and figure out their value, multiply it by $6.86. Yeah, so the mill rate is really the dollar amount per $1,000 of property value that a home is taxed for the school district. So $7.99 is what next year's projected mill rate would be with the referendum. 
um, as opposed to this year's $7.95. So that's where we get that $0.04 difference relative to this year. But like I said, um, if the referendum doesn't pass with the debt falling off as well, we're looking at a $6.86 mill rate next year. Got it. Thank you. Um, And why, how did we get here? Why is the district asking for this from the community? Yeah, so this is truly a, it's been a process years in the making. So even before I came on, um, this district was projecting into the future and saying, you know, we are facing a fiscal cliff. And we are not alone in facing that, you know, with the depletion of ESSER funds, um, which were going away in September. Uh, for those of you listening, the ESSER funds are COVID-19 related federal funds that given to districts to combat COVID-19. Those funds are going away in September, and there's not, not really a supplemental difference provided to districts as a result of the state biennium budget. Mm-hmm. So those funds are going away. As a result, when they were given, districts could project pretty reasonably out and saying we're going to face a, a fiscal cliff in the future. Um, since I came on board, you know, even starting last spring, the school board has been having discussions as to, you know, the rubber's hitting the road. Those ESSER funds are going away. Our costs are increasing. With declining enrollments, our revenues are decreasing. So even last spring, as we got into the current fiscal year, uh, the school board was having discussions as to how do we mitigate a deficit of over $1.5 million for the current school year we're in. Um, and through that process last spring, the school board decided to make a, make a series of reductions to reduce that deficit. Mm-hmm. So here we are now uh, projecting out for next year, um, looking at a potential $866,000 deficit for the next school year. And that deficit balloons as enrollment declines and as, um, and as our, our costs continue to increase. And that's one of the main impetuses for this referendum is the school boards making difficult decisions as to how do we look at our projections and maintain programming and the the value we give to our, our students in our community. Is that how they got to the $2 million figure? It is. So it, in the fall and early winter um, months of, of 2024 here, um, we were having discussions as to what if we did go to referendum, how how much of an ask would it be? We looked at one point, uh, one point six million, one point eight million, and two point oh million per year referendum packages. And the key question was, you know, how to what extent does this mitigate potential future deficits, and to what extent does this enable us to um, to put money towards these initiatives that that need to take place, things like safety. Um, these K-12 articulated pathways and technology, these are things that need to be funded regardless of additional funds as a matter of prioritization as well. Uh, so essentially the, the the board was discussing how do we make sure those initiatives are met and maintain our product, if you will, for, for our students. Um, so as a result, after those discussions and also maintaining uh, a, a, as low of a tax impact as possible, the board settled on the $2 million per year. Uh, referendum amount. Mm. Um, so the district, you know, has very visibly spent money on things recently. The the new sports fields that we have. Um, there are, are there other like where did that money come from? Are there other revenue streams? Why referendum? Yeah, let's talk about the renov- the renovations first. So the thing to note first off is something needed to take place with the football field. 
whether that was turf or putting in new sod, um, the, the, that field was virtually unusable, primarily really only used for high school varsity football. With the renovations that we put into that field, um, you know, you have stormwater mitigation. I, last summer, even, we had a torrential storm, and that day we had we had the marching band and other and other teams using the field that was not possible the year before. So, as far as the funding is concerned, it's important to note as well that a uh, million dollars came from a donation from the Bucyrus Foundation. Um, a fundraising group within our district has been and it continues to work diligently to raise as much money as possible. And um, the district has been able to fund that difference and has is continuing to fund that, pro- that, that project, those projects rather, um, through the capital expansion fund, Fund 46. So as a result, when we're looking at our projections going forward, we're not, that's fund 10, that's our general fund. Mm-hmm. So really not, the, the, the renovation is not included in all that. So the, def, the deficits that we're projecting into the future without a referendum are, are not recurring issues brought on by the one-time capital expenses that were the renovations of those fields. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think what you're saying is if we did nothing, and the kids use the field the same way, A, we wouldn't be able to use it very much, and B, that might not really solve a problem that we had. It would not solve the recurring revenue and recurring expenditure issue that we see projecting forward. Right, and uh, that million dollars could only be used for that, right? It was earmarked. Correct, so that was a million dollar donation from Bucyrus for that purpose. Okay, thank you. Um, and then what about other, you know, one question we get is the the district owns land that we're not using. Um, could that be sold instead? Yeah, so I think the short answer is potentially. <laughs> uh, the district could certainly look into selling that land. The The big question, much like the football field discussion we just had, is what happens next, or rather, what is the recurring ramifications of doing that? So if we were to sell land, that would be a one-time solution. And then what happens when that revenue is runs out? Um, so, and especially when you're tracking expenses and revenues on a fiscal year basis, you know, you receive that money once, you potentially solve one year's of issue, um, but then what happens going forward? Even if you make enough money in that one sale to last a couple of years, it is still a temporary solution. So the, that's the big thing is, is to what extent would that solve our recurring revenue constraints, especially given the fact that a lot of that land we do use. Um, so the rec department will use a lot of that land for various different activities. Mm. Um, so hopefully listeners of the podcast have, have heard um, our discussions about the budget, but um, the state in the biennium passed um, a revenue increase for schools. Um, how is that helping our problem? Yeah, so long story short, we're, the state did in fact pass a historic investment, if you will, into school districts. The thing to note, though, is that's historic relative to previous increases that the state has provided. Um, the further you look into the matter, you actually find that school districts have not received a per pupil adjustment in pace with inflation since 2008, and that was that was information shared with by the Legislative Fiscal Bureau. Um, so if you go back to 2008, essentially, we since that time, districts haven't received money in pace with inflation. And that's where back in the spring of last year, um, 
we were talking about what kind of modulation would we need to the revenue limit in order to keep pace with inflation, or at least to make up for what we didn't receive in the last biennium. And the number that was reached, and we advocated for, and other districts around us advocated for too, was a $1,510 adjustment to the revenue limit. So receiving 325 to uh, a 325 adjustment to the revenue limit, which is what districts got, is in fact more than the previous adjustment and really most all previous adjustments since 2008. Um, so historic in that sense, but mm-hmm. not close to that 1510 adjustment that school districts really needed in order to make up for the zero, the two years of zeros from the last biennium and to keep pace with inflation. Sure. Can you talk about the relationship between that amount if that isn't really like a per, in perpetuity pretty much compared to our declining enrollment? So two different issues, I would say. So th- I would say first off, so that 325 forever, let's just say, yeah. so I realize for if a couple, it is. A yeah, if couple it hundred ends years. Up being. So first of all, that that is current law. That is in law, and that is something we can project off of. But that can be repealed, obviously. And if that were to remain in statute, then given enough time and depending how inflation rolls out in the next couple of years, it is possible for that 325 figure to catch up with where we need to be. It may take several years for that to happen, um, but it, it, it is it is possible for that to take place. Mm. Um, so it's ultimately a help to schools. Um, and I, I think the, the thing relating to our, our referendum ask on that, on that note is given we're asking for a five-year non-recurring referendum, the question becomes in five years, will our enrollment situation and our funding situation um, essentially catch up? Will, will we have a situation where we don't need a year six of that referendum? And right now it's too early to tell. Mm. So going to your second question about our declining enrollment situation, I, one taking one step back, it's important to note that every year the school district takes a look at staffing, at student need, at enrollment, and says, are there any areas where we can reduce? And really letting that student need drive that conversation. Um, so the answer usually is, in some capacity, you could probably reduce. The question is, can you reduce to the extent that deficits can be completely wiped out? Um, when you see a class, when you see enrollment reductions in the tune of some, you know, 20 to 40 kids district wide, those students are likely not, that reduction is likely not taking place at one grade level. Mm-hmm. So as a result, you really can't reduce one teacher per that decrease. Um, that's not always the case, but just showing some that they're seeing a decline in enrollment doesn't always spell out to an easy reduction in, within dis- the district. Got it. Got it. Yeah, it's not like every fourth and fifth grader has disappeared, and now you don't need any fifth grade teachers because the third graders are becoming fourth graders. Correct. Yeah. If your average class size goes down by a pupil, for example, then you're really in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Now, with that said, um, every year the district has to look at staffing and has to look at enrollment because the fact of the matter is the enrollment is declining. So even next week um, at the upcoming, next upcoming board meeting, there's going to be conversations of what does what are the next year's needs and what does the next year's staffing look like. Got it. Got it. Um, kind of going back to 
debt. You'd mentioned it before. Um, in the last couple of years, we paid off the high school. Um, where did that Where did that money go? So essentially, we're not loving for it anymore. So if you look at the, we talked a little bit about the mill rate earlier. And if you look at the mill rate in 21-22 and compared it to 22-23, it, it went down. Um, and if you're into school finance, you can even look at our, our revenue limit worksheet. You can see that there's no Fund 39 debts. That's that's the debt for the high school in 22-23 levied for at all. Um, so essentially, when that when the high school debt was paid off, we lost that levying authority. And so the, the overall levy did decrease, the overall mill rate did decrease from 21-22 to 22-23. So even right now, we're, that's money that we're not no longer levying for. Mm. So in, in a sense, in 2004, we asked for permission to levy to pay the debt of the schools, and now we gave that permission back. Correct. So we've used the analogy of a $10, um, a $10 revenue limit in the past. So the state says school district, you can, the most you can get is $10, $2 can be property tax, $8 can be state aid. So in that situation, basic in 2004, the community said, passed a referendum saying, well, no longer $2 for the revenue limit. Let's make it three or four. So in that case, the revenue limit is not $10, but you know, it goes up with the amount that's, that's allowed with the referendum. And when that referendum ends, when the debt for that referendum is gone, then essentially we, we lose that levying authority. It goes back to the $10 right. in that situation. I asked because this is similar, right? You're asking for levying authority, and after five years it would end. Correct. It's really the same kind of concept, just not for debt. It's for recurring purposes. Um, so as a result, and you can even say the same thing with the debt that's falling off for next year. Um, so that's that's energy efficiency debt for projects that the district pursued in the past for for better windows um, and to basically reduce our utility costs. That debt is going away after this year and with it, it's levying authority. Mm. Very similar. Got it. Um, and then can you talk about the, the 2018 referendum and, and where that plays into this? Yeah, so the 2018 referendum it was a recurring referendum. So every year the district essentially gets a sum of money and every year that lump sum of money gets built into the base per pupil um, amount within the revenue limit. So funds from that referendum are still coming online actually mm-hmm. um, because it, it is a recurring referendum. Now the, the issue is that um, back when it was passed in 2018, I mean that was a pre-COVID world, even as you're projecting into the future, you know, <laughs> even the more conservative um, estimates as to what the biennium may look like likely didn't predict a $0 increase to the revenue limit. So as a result, even though our per pupil dollar amount has been going up as a result of this referendum back from 2018, that those two two years of zero really took a hit. And then also, if you remember, we talked about um, a recurring referendum increases your per pupil dollar amount. But if you're losing pupils, which is exactly the situation that South Milwaukee is in, then you kind of, you, in the end, it, it's less of an impact as you, than you would think. Um, it's very similar to if you were an hour, if you're getting paid an hourly wage, you get a raise, but then you work less hours. Mm-hmm. So it's completely possible that even if you had that raise, you actually, because you work less hours, you make about the same amount of money that you did in the beginning. 
In our situation with the 2018 referendum, I don't want to understate the value that that's had for the district because had that not passed, we would be having these discussions way earlier as a result of that um, $0 per pupil increase to the revenue limit. Yeah, and I'll say that people, um, there is a direct effect of it. Um, we wouldn't have an all-day 4K program, which saves the average parent of a four-year-old about $10,000 um, a year if it weren't for that referendum. There's real things that are being paid for with that. Uh, completely, and I would even just say, you know, the recurring costs of the district are, are very, the like I said earlier, if if it weren't for that referendum, we would be in this, we would still be in this situation just a lot earlier. Mm, okay. Um, well, Dan, I'm sure people are going to have a lot more questions about this. Where can they find more information and where can they find you to talk to you about it? Yeah, so the, the district website has a tab that has a lot of information about the referendum. Also has a form that you can fill out to ask us questions. Um, if you provide your contact information in there, we can contact you back. Okay. And how about out in the community? So we, likewise, on that district website, there is a calendar that shows a host of different events where we're going to have information tables. Um, that information table will be staffed by myself or other administrators and also the school board. Um, we're averaging about three or four events per week that we are at. So there's quite a few events there, but some big highlights to take note of. Uh, we are going to be at the spring market. Uh, we'll have a couple of tables there, so please find us there. That's here in the high school. Yep. Yep, and then we are also going to be at the library, um, the public library, that is. Um, so you can find the dates and times for that on our district website as well. Great. Well, Dan, thanks. Uh, thanks for answering some of our questions today. Thanks for having me. Well, that's the end of our episode. Thanks again to Bill Wesley, Christy Gajewski, Carrie Stolenwerk, and Dan Arnold for their time today. Um before I let you go, please uh, mark your calendars for Thursday, February 29th. Uh, the South Milwaukee Choirs, uh, our school district choirs, are celebrating the 60th anniversary of the passage of the Civil Rights Act with a performance called Music to Move Us Forward. Um, it also celebrates the Wisconsinites who have moved our nation forward. Um, it's going to be at the South Milwaukee Performing Arts Center and our door nine at the high school. At 6 p.m., there's going to be a pre-concert experience called We Have a Lot to Be Proud Of. You can catch a bite to eat at, from Atwood Highway Barbecue. You can view the powerful art in response to the study of the lives of Wisconsin civil rights workers that have been created by the South Milwaukee High School National Arts Society. Examine uh, Wisconsin civil rights role as you walk through the exhibits on loan from the Wisconsin Black History Museum and Wisconsin Historical Society. Then at 7 p.m., it's a concert. You'll hear from the South Milwaukee Middle School and High School Choirs, from Freedom Singers, from Staff and Student Collaborative Choir, and hear a commissioned composition arranged for and by our students with local composer, performer, and friend Kieran Vidula from Good News. Join us to celebrate. It's a non-ticketed event. The high school doors open at 6 and the theater doors open at 7. This has been the SMA Podcast. We'll see you next time.